morning, I want to ask you to turn to Joshua chapter 14 this morning. Joshua chapter 14, we'll be reading verses 6 through 15 this morning. Joshua chapter 14 and verse 6 through 15, I want to talk to you about finding your courage. Finding your courage. I want to begin by asking you, taking you to one of the most important days in all of your life. One of the most important days in all of your life. The last one. Let's say you live to a ripe old age, whatever age that is. You have a chance to look back over your life and you get to remember all those wonderful days of joy. Remember all those days of tears, suffering. Count your blessings. Probably you're going to be like most of us. You're going to have your own share of regrets, things you wish you had done differently. You may remember some words that you wish you could unspeak, some foolish decisions you wish you could unmake. But on that day, I want you to imagine that if you could name the one thing that kept you from living a fuller life, you could name the one thing would keep you from living the life that you were made to live, what do you suppose it would be? I think I know. If you could isolate one thing that keeps you from doing more and from loving more and from being more, it would be fear. Fear. It'd be fear of what other people think, fear of being criticized, fear of failure. Fear of taking a risk. If you live long enough, if you get the chance, I can almost guarantee you that you'll look back on your life and think, if only I had not been afraid. God wants to do something about that today. He wants to offer you the one and only antidote to fear. And that antidote is courage. Now, courage is not the absence of fear. It's the mastery of fear. It's being, John Wayne said, courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. Courage is refusing to let fear keep you from doing what you know is right. What you know you ought to do, what you know God wants you to do. And today I want you, I want to help you and me find our courage. Because we're going to read about a man who found his courage and then some. When he finds his courage, or where he finds his courage, is where you will find your courage. Would you stand with me, please, in honor of our Lord and his word? Let's read this story about this man who can help us find our courage. Joshua chapter 14, beginning in verse 6. Hear the word of our God. Then the children of, excuse me, then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, 
Surely the land where your foot is trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old, and yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron formerly was Kerjath, excuse me, formerly was Kerjath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakin. And then the land had rest from war. Spring. Lord Jesus, courage comes easier for some of us than others. Some of us just have a natural boldness. But Lord, there's some of us who struggle. We struggle with doubts. We struggle with our worries. We struggle with what might happen, what could happen. Sometimes it makes us not just timid, but too timid. Too timid to be courageous enough to reach out and receive what you have for us. Lord, I just pray today that you will help us to find our courage and not find our courage in ourselves or find our courage in some other book somewhere, but to find our courage in you. Lord, I know you want to do some great and wonderful things to the people in this room. And I'll just pray, Lord, that you will give us the courage that we will be able to do those things for your glory for the good of those around us, and for our good. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to take a quick survey. How many of you have ever looked up the meaning of your name? How many of you in here have ever looked up the meaning of your name? Okay, quite a few of you. <coughs> Do you ever wonder if your name fits you? Does that really express who I am? Michael, the name means who is like God. It's a question. Uh, it's a rhetorical question. What it's meant to say is there's nobody like God. It's a term of praise. Tyrone, on the other hand, comes from the name of a county in Northern Ireland was popularized by an American actor by the name of Tyrone Powers, named after his great-grandfather. I'll let somebody else figure out if that name fits me or not. Many of you know what the name Caleb means. The word Caleb means dog. Not just any kind of dog. It means dog, it means snappish. It means guarding, it means warding off. You think about Caleb's name, don't think about a toy poodle, think about a pit bull. 
ferocity, aggressiveness, daring, courage. Courage, his name fits him. Nowhere does he exhibit that courage more powerfully than right here. And his courage can help you and I find our courage. To begin with, he shows us that you need courage to believe God's promises. Caleb and Joshua go way back, back in the days when the Israelites first set eyes on the promised land. Moses led them right up to the very edge of the promised land. And Moses said, listen, I'm going to send 12 spies into Canaan to see what it's like to make sure that, you know, to come up with our strategy that we're going to use for conquering this land. So he sent in 12 of them. The only two that we know their name for sure is Joshua and Caleb. If you remember, those 10 or 10 of those spies came back scared to death. This place has giants in it. This place has mountains. This place has stone fortresses. And as Caleb says here, they made the heart of the people melt. What you may not remember is what Caleb and Joshua said. Everybody else said, you need to give this up. We can't do this. These people are too much for us. But in Numbers chapter 14, verse 8 and 9, this is what Caleb said. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land, a land which flows with milk and honey. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. But the rest of Israel does fear them. And that's why for the next 40 years, they never enter the promised land. They wander around in the desert. They wander around in the desert till all these unbelieving cowards die. But Caleb never loses his courage. Look again in verse 8. But I wholly followed my Lord. I wholly followed my God. Caleb says it doesn't matter what anybody else says. My courage is grounded in my faith in God's promises. And in verse 9, he reminds Joshua of another promise. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot is trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Caleb comes to Joshua and he said, I'm ready to cash in on this promise. God said, I can have this land. It's time for me to take it. It's time for me to receive it. Forty years he's been traveling with these stubborn grumbling people. He's watched them die one by one. And I've got to think that some of them tried to discourage Caleb. You think you're so much better than us. You're going to die in the wilderness. You're going to die out here just like we die. You will never see an acre of the promised land. None of that deters Caleb. He has full confidence that God will keep his promise. He has the faith that requires courage. You're going to have that kind of faith. It will require courage. Courage to deny your doubts. Courage to face up to your fears. Courage to wait on God until he fulfills his word. Courage not to let other people discourage you. Finding your courage means it doesn't matter how much you are mocked or attacked. doesn't matter when your circumstances say, no way. What matters is you have the courage to say, I am standing on the promises of God. 
I wonder if there may be someone today that's struggling. You know God's promise to you. It seems like it's taking so long. Caleb says, take courage. Take courage because God will always keep his promise to you. Trust in God to keep his promises. That's how you find your courage. Not in yourself, but in his faithfulness. It's also true that you need courage to go big with your prayers. You ever heard the phrase, go big or go home? Go big or go home. I looked up that phrase because that's what preachers do. They look up definitions to things that people already know the answer to. And apparently this phrase uh, came into fashion somewhere in the 90s, 1990s. Uh, it was used by salesmen. And basically what it is is a call to go all out, to put all your effort into something, to experience something to its fullest. Well, Caleb is one of these go big or go home kind of guys. He's 85 years old. 85 years old, but he is not ready for the rocking chair, and he is not ready for retirement. Look in verse 10. Here I am this day, 85 years old, yet I'm as strong this day as the day that Moses sent me. Caleb isn't walking around on a cane or a walker. He is chomping at the bits to go get his land. But I really want you to notice in verse 12 what kind of land he's asking for. Give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there. The cities were great and fortified. Now, if you go back to what I read to you from the book of Numbers, you'll see Caleb is describing the very same place, the very same spot that the rest of Israel said, we can't take that place. We can't go to that place. They've got giants there. That's who the Anakim were. You see what Caleb does? Caleb goes big. He doesn't say, listen, I need to find some places on level ground. I have a problem going up. Uh, climbing up these steep places. He says, I want a mountain. He doesn't say, well, listen, you find the armies that are the weakest and the smallest men. I think those are the ones that I'll probably try to take. He says, no, I want soldiers. I want fortified cities. I want, I want cities that people look at and say, That's, there's no way you can get in them. I don't want the dwarfs. I want the giants. Now, Caleb, Caleb, you need to stop and think this thing through. You're not the man you used to be. Like Aunt B says, we're not all spring chickens anymore. You need to dial this down a little bit, Caleb, before you bite off more than you can chew. <laughs> Caleb smiles and said, go big or go home. Caleb's courage here is a model for how you and I should pray. Too often, you know what? Our prayers are so timid. We don't ask God for anything really spectacular, really big. And I think, I think Jesus wants us to do that. Say, Brother Mike, where do you get that idea? Well, listen to what he says 
In Matthew 21, 22, he says, whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. That's a big word. Whatever. How about John 4, 14, 14? If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Anything, that's a big word. Anything. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now, everybody look up here for a second. I want you to know that those are not blank checks. You know, Jesus doesn't say, listen, uh, you asked for a gold-plated Cadillac. You asked for a hundred-room mansion. You asked for a billion dollars, and I'll give it to you. That's not what he's saying. But what he is saying is, listen, I want you to pray big. I don't want you to pray for things that you can do. I don't want you to pray for things that you can accomplish. I want you to pray for things that if I don't do it, it won't happen. That's what I want you to do. I want you to go big in your prayers. Phillips Brooks says, pray the largest prayers. You cannot think of prayer so large that God will not wish you had made it larger. Pray not for crutches. Pray for wings. What are some mountains you need to pray about this morning? Maybe you need to pray about a mountain called your marriage. Doesn't matter if you've been married a few weeks or a few years or a long time. Sometimes those mountains of bitterness can be built mountains of hurt and you look at them and say there's just no way no way we can get past this your mountain may be somebody that you love you're praying for them to come to Jesus the more you pray the more you reach out to them the more they say no thank you your mountain may be healing or peace no matter how impossible it seems, don't stop asking for your mountain. Don't stop going. Don't stop. Keep going big. Let me ask you this question. What if, what do you suppose would happen if you stopped asking God for molehills and you started asking God for mountains? What do you suppose would happen? That's how you build courage in your heart. Let's balance this. God wants boldness. God wants courage. God wants us to go big. But let's balance this with humility. Look in verse 12, the last part of verse 12. Because you need courage to leave the outcome in God's hands. Caleb says in the last part of verse 12, it may be, it may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord has said. Now, that doesn't sound very bold, does it? Maybe. Well, it is bold, but it's also humble. Caleb has the boldness and the courage to believe God's promises. Caleb has the boldness and the courage to go big, but he is not foolish enough to think that he can pull this off on his own. He knows that he is not in control. He knows God is. And he's not sure exactly how God's going to fulfill this promise. 
He doesn't know exactly how God's going to give him that mountain. It may be that the Lord will be with me. It may be that God will do everything just like I planned. That I'll just map out my strategy, bring in my fellows, we'll come in and take the place without any, any incident whatsoever. It may be that way, or it may not. It may not be that way. I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. God will bless me. God will help me battle my way through it, or he'll do something else. Caleb is bold enough to believe, bold enough to ask, but he's bold enough to leave the details to the Lord. That may take more courage than anything else. You see, when you want something so bad, when you want to see something happen so bad, think about that for just a moment. Think about the one thing in your life you say, Lord, this is one thing I just really need you to come through on. And you go to the word of God and God says, listen, this is my promise to you. This is how we're going to handle this. Now leave it in my hands. That may be the hardest thing of all. Because we don't like to not be in control. We like to think, what can I do to make this happen? And God says, I'll tell you what you need to do, but you won't make it happen. I'll make it happen. God doesn't always do things your way. He's seldom early, but he's never late. He doesn't always travel in a straight line. In fact, a lot of times, you really don't see him doing anything at all. There are times when you will ask God for something and he will not give you what you ask for. He will give you something better. For there's one thing I think that most Christians in the United States need to get in their minds, it's this. God is not a vending machine. You don't go on and slip in your prayer and out comes your answer. It doesn't work that way. God is not a vending machine. God is a father. Now, I don't know what kind of father you had. But my daddy didn't say yes to everything I wanted. My daddy didn't do everything just like I wanted him to. But I always knew my daddy loved me. And I've learned since I became a daddy myself that sometimes you have to do things differently and your kids don't understand. He is a father in heaven, not a grandfather in heaven. He provides for us. He doesn't spoil us. And it takes courage to believe that. It takes courage to take that thing that is so important to you, that person that you love so much, and put them in his hands. To give up control of that desperate situation and trust him to work it all out. It's not always hard to figure out what God wants. What's hard to do is to accept his will and say, Lord, I'm not going to try to make this happen. I'm going to trust you to make this happen. That takes courage. Pastor Chuck Swindoll says, courage is not limited to the battlefield or the Indianapolis 500 or bravely catching a thief in your house. The real tests of courage are much deeper and much quieter. They are the inner tests 
like remaining faithful when no one's looking. Like enduring the pain when the room is empty. Like standing alone when you're misunderstood. I wonder, are you fighting fear this morning? You know what you need to do. You know what God wants you to do. But you are afraid. Afraid of failing. Afraid of what other people think. You're afraid that you don't have what it takes. Caleb brings us a word from the Lord. Do not be afraid. Find your courage by holding on to God's promise. Find your courage by praying boldly. Find your courage by leaving it in his hands. Would you bow your heads with me, please? morning, God may be calling you to take a step of courage. It may be a step, a bold step, of saying, I come to Christ. I want to trust him as my Savior. I want to live for him as my Lord. I want to give my life to him. That's a courageous act. It's an act of faith. And if you've never done that before, it's something only you can do. You may be here this morning, you may be a Christian. You may know the Lord, but you, you, your life is not in line with his word. You're trying to live it out in your own power. You're trying to do things your, your own way. God says, that time's over. You need to have the courage to come to me, to lay your life in my hands, to believe that what I've told you is true, to pray and ask me to change your life, let me have your burdens, your problems, and your fears, and your sin. To let me work those things out. God may be speaking to your heart this morning, and He always calls for a response, a response of faith. You can make that decision right now. Is everyone quietly stands to your feet, no one looking around. As Brother Phil sings this hymn of invitation, this is your invitation to find your courage. I can Believe his promises. Go big with the prayer. 
more verse of this hymn. You'll have one more opportunity, one more window where you can respond to God's words. tonight, 6 o'clock, for our evening service. And uh, all of you that are in choir, don't forget, choir practice today at 5. And uh, before we dismiss, let me ask, um, right immediately following the service, I'm going to be up here in the front. If I could have everyone who is on the security team to meet with me for just a few minutes. It will not take long, but I, I need you to come up and I need to talk to you for just a few minutes before you leave. Um, Come up and, and uh, meet with me. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, I'm going to ask Chris if he would to dismiss us in prayer this morning. Everybody gets tasers, okay?
Um, I just wanted, uh, you should have all gotten a letter. Uh, and the reason why you got, there's a couple reasons why you got the letter. First of all, because, <clears throat> oh, yeah. appreciate you serving, as I said in the letter, appreciate you serving on the security team. It is very important, and I do consider it a ministry. Uh, you are our first line of defense in case uh, something happens, in case somebody comes through those doors and wants to attack. Um, the security protocols that we have in place, you know, we've never sat down and discussed them. We've never sat down and outlined them. Uh, that's one reason why I want to make sure everybody knew this is what this is what you're signing up for. And if you say, well, Brother Mike, I didn't sign up for that, then that's fine. You want to take your name off the list. That's nobody will feel bad at you. But this is what has to happen. Now, I want you to know this is, doesn't have to happen because I decided that. It has to happen because that's what our insurance company requires us to do. And I can understand why. I mean, this synagogue uh, synagogue shooting was just another example. And, uh, you know, you just do not know what's going to happen. And I know uh, somebody told me the other day that, a, that, you know, security team for our church was, was stupid. And I'm like, well, it's stupid until it happens. You know, I bet those people in, at the Jewish synagogue thought, well, it's stupid to do that until it happened. And all of a sudden, it wasn't stupid anymore. But we've got to make sure that we do everything we can to keep our congregation safe. I wish we didn't have to do that. I wish it wasn't necessary, but it is. And it's very, very important that each one of you take this job seriously. Um, there's some things I outline in there. One of them that I really want to emphasize is whenever Sunday school is over, whoever is on security, make sure you lock that door. The reason why is because Kim and the other ladies have come in that uh, in that building on a Monday morning and somebody's been in there. I don't know how they got in there. I don't know when they got in there. But they got in there somehow. And, you know, I wouldn't want you, I wouldn't want one of your wives or daughters or you yourself to go somewhere like that and somebody be in there and you don't know about it. So it's very important we keep that door locked. It's very important that we keep, that while you're on duty, that you keep scanning back and forth these two doors. Very, very important that you, you pay attention if somebody comes up to the door and wants to get in, because for goodness sakes, I don't want anybody to think we don't want them to come in. Um, so, you know, and I, I think all of y'all are doing that. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page, that everybody understands, you know, the insurance company says, actually the insurance company wants us to do a lot more, but this is the basic, this is like the line in the sand, the basic thing we can do to cover ourselves insurance-wise. So, is there uh, any questions? Is there anything that I didn't make clear in the letter? Should we be armed in any way? They don't say you shouldn't, but it is easy to, uh, 
just have to be careful. In other words, if somebody if somebody makes it past you and gets into the congregation and they're running around and you shoot and you, you don't hit them, you hit somebody else, that's the worry they have. But, I mean, as far as being armed, that's we had a policeman come up here and he told us, correct me if I'm wrong, he said there was no problem if you were armed. I, I, I think it would be good for you to be armed. I mean, just myself. I'm not. I'm not that's armed. That's also something we have to turn in. If you are and you're on the security team, you okay. have to turn that in. All right. That, see, what, what they're, the reason why they call us every so often, and the reason why they call us is to make sure that we are doing what we say we're doing. And, uh, you know, make sure, remember you said this is what you were doing? Remember this? So they want to make sure that that's happening. And, of course, we tell them, yes, we are. Everything that we're doing, I have to email it to them in a form saying, you know, tell them that this is what we're doing. Well, that's a good question. That's a good question about being armed. I think it would be a good idea. Um, <laughs> no tasers or Uzis, but, <laughs> you know. Yeah. That might be a little intimidating. He's <laughs> wearing your overcoat and put it on. Wear your trench coat. That is <laughs> All right. Anybody else have any questions? You talking about the doors being locked. Yes, sir. What about other people locking and unlocking the door when you lock? No, that shouldn't be happening. Yeah, it's going to be, it will be when I'm. That's another thing. Oh, oh, okay. Well, now, if, if you're leaving the building, like like if Billy's leaving the building to go over there, then that would be that'd be a different matter. I'm talking about, you know, if you're on duty, Chris is not going to go over there and unlock the doors. Yeah. If that's your responsibility to take care of that. Yeah. And especially the doors in between the buildings, like in the gym. Like the gym coming into the... Yeah. A lot of times that's the doors that are left unlocked. Yeah, the doors... You know the one she's talking about? She's talking about the doors from the office into the gym. They have to be made sure they're locked. Like upstairs and downstairs. Yeah. We have found people sleeping downstairs in the rooms. Oh. Mm -hmm. See, you just don't ever know. And, and boy, I'd hate to come in there. Mm -hmm. I'd hate to come in that building and somebody be in there and you not know who they are, who they are, what they're doing there. Well, every Sunday when we're here, Brother Billy, he goes over. That's good. That's part of what we want. Because uh, that's that's all it'll take is is for somebody not to see. That would be that would be disastrous. What about a pepper spray gun? I don't think that would be a problem. I don't know if you have to report that. You have to ask hey, anybody. They say a, they say a wasp spray is better than anything. <laughs> Just don't let it get away with you. Can't get it. You put, and, yes. say it will. Well, and the police would do something like wash spray, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, anybody else? Once again, somebody opens up with a trench coat or a backpack on their back, the church is already started. Now, that's the stuff that the policeman tells us to call in and to watch on because you just don't know what they're bringing in. Well, I, I would think, and we may need to look into this, but I would think you would not let them in. You would ask them. Did you leave your coat or your backpack outside? And I mean, if, if, if it were me, if 
I were in your shoes and somebody came up there with a trench coat and I couldn't see what they had. And I told them, listen, you're welcome to come in here, but I need you to take off the trench coat, I need you to drop the bag because we're, that's for security purposes. We're not trying to keep you out, we just want to make sure we're keeping our congregation safe. I think anybody would, would find that reasonable, you know, if, you're, if you just explain it to them. If you take out your gun, like, no, we don't want to do that yet, but we do want to make sure people understand that we are, there is, there is security here. They, don't, they can't just walk in and start doing something. Anybody else? If you have any other questions, uh, feel free to call me, come by and see me, call Kim. Uh, she's the one that does the reporting. And let me tell you again how much I appreciate your willingness to serve the Lord this way because, you know, we are in an area that it would be very easy for somebody to come in and do something crazy. And you are going to be one of the reasons why they don't. The Lord's going to use you to make sure that doesn't happen. Okay? I told you I'd keep this meeting short, so thank you all very much. Have a good day. Guess who's toward the bottom? <laughs> Would I have been guessing correctly? <laughs> uh, on two game win streak. Especially more than one game before that. So. Oh my goodness. Well, you just gave it away right there. <laughs> Three and five isn't too great. That's two games behind me. Oh, I'm way past. Have you been in Walmart lately? It's everywhere. All that's Christmas. I said, did you see that? You saw that Snoopy thing. The one with the, oh man, that's the coolest thing. That is the coolest thing. I'm so glad to see you. I'm 
the free Oh, is he getting the table? Yeah, I'll have to put my hand down. Logan. Logan, that'll work. I think we'll, uh... That sounds okay. Well, he'd say whatever you want us yep. to do, and I'm like, he's not going to pick. Well, I like, I like one. Y'all know that. I I'm never going to be a question. Of I, and this only, is my last big day till Thanksgiving. Only, oh, really? The only question I had was about my teeth. I was scared to death, but I went to Wendy's and opened back up. I know, Chris. I went there too. Oh, I was so happy. Don't, don't worry about it. You and Rob, we brought I held up another thing. You and Rob, Yeah. Where are Josh at? I do not know. You have my keys. I do? Prayer journal, one answered family prayer request, and I asked the Lord for another one. Hello? Hello? Alright, let's roll. Can y'all check those doors and make sure they're locked? Please? about today. I 
would have put your microphone down one more click or else gotten him to um, turn you down because you were a little loud. But that is going to be a very good sermon for preachers to encourage them. Thanks, so. I need to turn off the uh, tape player. You think so? That's one I really should have videotaped, but didn't.